0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, good morning uh, to uh, everybody and wherever you are in the world. Uh, And welcome to The Intuitive Customer. Um, what are we What are we talking about today, Ryan?
2: So today we're going to talk about non conscious influences. Uh, so let's start off with some vocab. Uh, make sure that we're all talking on the same page here. Um, so a lot of times when people talk about non conscious influences, they talk about subliminal influences. Okay. So let's let's be clear about some things. Subliminal influences are non conscious influences, but they're not there are non-conscious influences that are not subliminal. Um, So let's make sure that we're clear on all the terms. Uh, So so when we talk about subliminal, what we're talking about is stuff that's uh, sensed by us, so stuff that's detected by our eyes or ears or or our skin, um, but it it doesn't reach the level of consciousness. So we are not aware that we have seen it. We've seen it. It's been processed by some part of our brain, but we're not aware of it. Okay. So we can go back to uh, System 1 and System 2. Right? Um, yeah. One of the things that System 1 does is it processes all of our uh, uh, stimuli that comes into, through our senses. So we're constantly receiving all this information um, for our visual fields, all this information through our, our auditory fields, um, sense uh, of touch and, and temperature and direction we would just be overwhelmed by that if we didn't have some kind of filter. So system one serves as that, as that filter. It'll uh, take all this information and it'll just call it down to what is most important for us. So whatever is, is deemed to be most worthy of attention and that's what makes it up into conscious awareness. But okay. there's a part of our brain that's getting all of that information in, kind of that raw feed. Go ahead.
1: So I, I I was just um, uh, going to mention that when we talk about System One, System Two, uh, in the book, we call them uh, intuitive and rational. Right. So the intuitive side is effectively the always-on making decisions for us without having to think, which is the right. System Two rational part of things. So uh, so effectively, correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is you know there's lots and lots of data that's coming our way all the time Obviously. and we can't process that consciously we're not yep. you know thinking oh what what's that smell what's that taste what's that they would have, that's done that processing is done subconsciously and uh, sub, you know so there are subliminal messages coming in which we're processing we're thinking about but we're not overtly think from a layman's perspective
2: overtly thinking about them that's right correct yep that, that's exactly it um, so you know you, you may have have had this experience where you're in a, a really uh, noisy party um, lots of people talking um, uh, you're concentrating on the conversation of the person in front of you right so you're able to pick out just that conversation out of all of the noise that's going on um, so that's you consciously paying attention to something, but then if somebody says your name, you'll yep. pick up on that too, right? So you can, you can talk about how you can consciously direct your attention, but there's some part of your mind that's getting it all in, right? And it'll just pick out the things that seem to be most relevant or, or most important for you and deliver that up to your consciousness, okay? So,
1: so I presume it's, I mean, I'm now thinking if there was a gunshot, or if there was, I don't know, your kids were crying in that similar situation, you'd be able to say, hold on, my kids are crying, or my phone's ringing, or something like that. So despite all that noise, you're picking those things out.
2: Yeah, that's right. And again, and that, that can be conscious or it can be non-conscious, right? Um, so uh, my wife is finely attuned so that if she hears a child crying, like she can pick that out out of any background sure. noise at all. Um, uh, whereas for me, if it was loud enough to reach my level of consciousness, then I would direct my attention towards it. Um, but it can happen automatically in this way as well. Right. So there's this band of, of stimuli. There's this band of stuff that's coming in that's being processed by our brain, but just by the intuitive part of our brain. Um, and then there's this stuff that gets kicked up into consciousness. Right? So yeah. so all of this stuff that we're processing that we're not consciously aware of, that's subliminal. Yeah. Okay. And then anything that goes into consciousness that's known as supraliminal. Okay. So it's above the threshold where we're we're aware of it. Okay. So you can think of subliminal and supraliminal as a description of the stimulus, as a description of the, the information. Is the information subliminal or is the information superliminal what where what level has it been processed at okay
0: yeah
2: the next thing we can do uh, and is talk about whether whether the information influenced us okay. now and what kind of inf- influence the information had. if the information was subliminal and it influenced us then the influence had to have been nonconscious or subconscious right mm-hmm. because the conscious mind never processed it. Right. But if the information was supraliminal, it still could have influenced us non consciously. Okay. So it could have had an influence on us, and we weren't aware of the influence,
0: even though we were aware of the stimulus. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training.
1: So is this, uh, they did some adverts, didn't they? back in the day, 50s, whatever it may be, where they put subliminal messages into adverts and films for, only for, for a second, uh, maybe even not a second that you would even notice them, but they were using subliminal messages to
2: influence people. Very good. So those um, experiments were run by a guy named Vickery, and they were published in 1957. Um, and he he at a theater um, worked with the the management and they interspliced um, yeah it was it was milliseconds just just single frames or just a couple of frames um, that said uh, eat popcorn or drink Coke and they right. found that concession sales went up. Here's the interesting thing. So this is the, by far the most famous experiment ever run on nonconscious influences. Um, way back in the '50s. Here's the interesting thing about the Vickery studies: uh, they were fraudulent. They never happened. Um, <laughs> it was a fake. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the the it's most famous example is- of this phenomenon never happened. Wow. Um, yeah. So the the studies were never published in a peer reviewed journal. Uh, uh-huh. This guy sent out a press release, um, and it was just picked up by the by the press, and these stories were run. Some journalists eventually tracked it down, and um, the theater owner claimed to have never even met this guy. There's no evidence wow. that he'd ever run these things. Decades later, he finally came clean and admitted that he'd, he'd faked like that he'd just made it up. They um, wow. tried to replicate the studies, couldn't get them to work when they were replicated. So yeah, it was, it was a mess he actually set back the study of this area by decades because uh, this kind of became a corrupted area scientists didn't want to work in this because they felt that it was um, dangerous right. to their careers because it was seen as being kind of flimsy. so the
1: subliminal, subliminal message was don't don't go into this area
2: honestly yeah no it was a mess it was it was a big problem so so that's obviously an issue right um, like the, the iconic example um, yeah. Right. Let me give you another example. Um, yeah. This one is better, although I'll tell you about some problems with it also. So this Good. one was around in 1996, or at least it was published in 1996. It was peer-reviewed by a very reputable researcher, this guy John Barge at uh, Yale University. Um, he gave people a non-conscious supraliminal prime. So he had people... Um, do a sentence completion task. So he would give them um, uh, a list of sentences that, uh, or a list of words, and they had to rearrange them to form a sentence. So like, here's one. Are from Florida oranges temperature. And then you would have to arrange it so that you would use some or all of the words to form a sentence. So, are oranges from Florida, I think is how you would arrange that to to form a sentence. Or Florida, oranges are from Florida. Um, the the manipulation was some people got lists of words that were kind of neutral and some people got, got sentences a sentence completion task where a bunch of the words were associated with the elderly right so uh, bingo, ringle, forgetful gray, Florida that was in there, old, lonely um, and then after they finished the sentence completion task they had to walk down the hall to get to the next part of the study and what they didn't know is they were being videotaped as they walked down the hall and then later they they timed it to see how long it took people to walk and they found that people walked slower after they had been exposed to the idea of elderliness right so uh-huh. they, wow. yeah so it was something like 7.2 seconds relative to like 8.2 seconds so they are about a second slower walking down this hallway and they argued that this superliminal prime, so people were, were aware of the words, right? The words were coming in through conscious, uh, consciousness, but it yeah. had a non-conscious influence on them. That it, right. it activated this idea of oldness, system one or the intuitive system kind of latched onto that. And then that made people, that made ideas ar- around being old more accessible. And among right. those, things, it resulted in people walking a little bit slower.
1: So to just put this in layman's terms, you can use words and maybe even sort of marketing positioning about your product or service that that are key, that would have a an influence on somebody. It doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't have to be necessarily, can tell me again if I'm wrong, you know, we are the cheapest big banner that's smacking you in the face. That's clearly overt, that is is not subliminal. But putting words in there that talk about reduction, price, cheap, or whatever it may be, and using that in an images, would it could influence some people to think that you're cheap where you haven't necessarily overtly said it. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. I, th- I think that that's the best takeaway of what we're gonna be talking about today. So right. a lot of the examples are kind of fun. Uh, I'll show you how some of them work. Um, that, that you, despite what Vickery didn't find, um, there are cases where these non-conscious influences can influence people. Um, from a marketing perspective, you've got to be really careful with this stuff. Like, even if it does work, like the PR blowback from people thinking that you're trying to, you know, influence them, uh, it's usually not a good idea. I think that that, Colin, your takeaway from it is the right one, which is, look, the things that influence people are really subtle. Uh, And so, you know, the words that you choose to use, the images that you choose to use, the, the environment that you put people in, all of these things have an influence. So, are you taking that into account? Are you trying to manage everything as opposed to just the words that you're overtly explaining to people?
0: We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener... We want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com podcast. So let me give you an example from England that may help then uh, with
1: this. So in England, there's a, well, in Europe, there's an airline called Ryanair. Yep. Who I have have to say I hate with a passion.
2: And don't think you're alone.
1: (laughs) Correct. Um, And one of the things they are known for is they are very cheap, and they are very cheap, okay? Yep. Um, But the uh, CEO there, uh, a guy called Michael O'Leary, takes great delight and it's probably a tactic in my view in um talking about how so about two years ago he talked about uh charging a pound to go to the um uh to the toilet uh in, you know in, in whilst you're on the plane now you know for me that's partly positioning we're trying to constantly drive prices down, you know, so that's all part of this overt bit of we're trying to be the cheapest so we're implementing these things, and that's then a constant message that comes out, so they constantly think about it. Does, is that, does that fall into this category?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly could, right? So um, I, I would guess that there's a lot of really subtle things about Ryanair that express this cheapness. Right, that uh, express this message in a way that is non-conscious. Um, you know they one of the things that they found is that you can also subliminally um, activate goals in people. All right, so if I give you one of these uh, word completion tasks, or or expose you to certain imagery, I can activate the goal in you to um, you know uh, want to achieve more or to to focus on um, kind of a, a aspiration, that kind of thing. It's entirely possible that that Ryanair could, could activate a reactance goal in people where, sure. you know, if if you're gonna try to squeeze me for every penny, um, yeah. including like kind of basic human rights violations types of things, um, <laughs> you know, then we are clearly adversaries. Right? And sure. so maybe you're activating a goal in me to stick it to you in any way I possibly can. And yeah. maybe you know leaving my area more dirty than I would on another flight, or um, you know, being more likely to vandalize or to steal from you because we're, we're adversaries. So, you know, you may have activated in me a goal completely non-consciously that is now going to to incentivize me to behave in, in a way that I wouldn't if I saw the airline as being more my kind of partner and friend.
1: Sure. So maybe let's, unless there's something you want to go through particularly, but just raised an interesting thought with me, which is, so how do organisations, if there's this constant stream of data and or stuff that's coming at people, and obviously nowadays even more so with all the various different media channels that we have and social media and blah, 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 blah. How do, how do you get your subliminal message over in that Quant and um, in that sort of quantity of data that's coming over, and, and I guess to answer my question, it must be about frequency and consistency, isn't it? As well.
2: Yeah, yeah. That that's exactly it. And and again, uh, just my my caveat on this. Um, I think this stuff is fun, um, yeah. and I think that uh, because subliminal advertising comes up a lot in conversation. Um, yeah important if you work in these spaces to, to know kind of the, the nature of the science on subliminal advertising or, and, and subliminal messaging. Uh, I don't think that a lot of long-term success is going to be built around this sure. non-conscious stuff. I think that if you've got people who are really on the border there, this can push them one way or the other, um, but it's not going to make or break your business model. Uh, I do think that it's useful in the way that you just phrased it, which is um, it, it inspires respect for the breadth of things that can influence people and that should uh, inspire in in us um, as people who manage customers customer experiences to um, to respect just how important consistency is right so if, yeah. if all these things can influence us in any different ways then then can we be disciplined and figure out well what are the key motivational drivers um, you know, what are the key points of evaluation that people have? can we can we try to design our experiences top to bottom to influence that in a in a positive way so that that people are getting this really consistent experience and we're not activate, accidentally activating something in them that would um, that would be bad?
1: Yeah, so when you think about that and and you turn that on its head, you look at it from the other perspective, which is, if you've got an organization, and this is pretty much true to the point of most large organizations, who you've got sales, you've got marketing, you've got customer service, blah, 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 blah. You've got all these different channels and the message is inconsistent. Yeah. Then, surely, the sublim- uh, the accidental sub- subliminal message is, these guys haven't got a bloody clue what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm being told one thing here, and I'm being told something else there, and I'm being told something else there. So why in the hell would I trust any of them? Because the, the message is inconsistent. And that's not yeah, something it, they're trying to push, but it's obviously the message
2: that eventually gets out. Yeah, that's right. And, and to the extent that, that all of those actions are intended to persuade the customer, to influence them, you know, if if they were consistent, then it would just be this push, Right? We're, we're getting everything behind this single message and we're pushing this impression or this persuasion on, on people and, and that has a chance of moving them. If instead we're pushing in eight different directions at the same time, you, know, you should anticipate people aren't going to move at all. Because sure. each of those is weak on its own and now we're, we're actually working against ourselves by pushing in different directions. So you know, it's really hard to move customers. Um, sure. And so if you are not lining up behind a simple message and reinforcing it at every opportunity, then you're kind of inviting nothing to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where most organizations are. And it's not yeah. through design. It's yeah. through lack of well, lack of consistency that's driven in my book by uh, you know lack of a strategy that joins all of these things together and, and even disciplines. To doing yeah. uh, these things together, um, you know, to even answer a simple question, as we would put it, which is, what's the experience you're trying to deliver? Without yeah. that definition of here's what we're trying to achieve, then why in the hell would any of these different parts of the organisation be aligned in, in the in the first place?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, and you and I have talked about this. I mean, I, uh, that's been my experience too. That um, a lot of organisations when they're struggling. Um, are struggling at kind of the, the high-level strategic issues. And it's because they're so focused on tactical implement, implementation. You know, what do we do with our Instagram feed, right? As opposed to, who is our customer? What experience are we trying to create? Kind of these, these higher-order questions never get answered because we're just so focused on, you know, how do we optimize this this email package
0: that we're about to send out? The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com.
1: So is there any key message that comes out of this then in sort of practical implementation of, you know, or is it just a question of going, look, there are subliminal messages. Um, people are getting these feeds all the time. Therefore, you've got to be conscious of it and you know, you've know you got to be aware of it as much as
2: you can. Uh, I think that that's the message, right? So um, uh, Colin and I will never write a book about subliminal, like how to optimise the subliminal influences on your, your customers. Is
1: that a subliminal
2: message, that we
1: actually are going to write a book on
2: it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, no, no reverse psychology today. Um, it's just, it's not practical. It's not. It's fun. It's interesting. What it does serve as is a reminder of how powerful this intuitive versus rational mind argument is. Right. Yeah. I I can just lay out study after study here that you can't ex- explain using a rational viewpoint. Right. So sure. so you can think of all of this as just evidence for. The importance of considering the intuitive and emotional side. Let me let me give you a quick example. Uh, this is a study done by a friend of mine, and I I just I love it. I thought it was great. So they they had this this thought that um, part of the appeal of romance movies is that whatever else they do for you, they actually make you feel warm and fuzzy, like like literally feel warm, right? right. So so they had this hypothesis that oh well maybe people will seek out romance movies when they're cold physically. Um, being cold activates this goal that you want to feel warm and so even like metaphorical warmth works for you in that case so they um, they they ran so they got data from a, a movie rental place this is, it wasn't Netflix. But it was it was a place like Netflix where they would mail DVDs to you okay. uh, back in the day and uh, and they so they analyzed their data and they found that sure enough when it was cold outside people were more likely to rent romance movies controlling for all kinds of other piece of data, and well, they, so they they went to a lab, and they had students come into this computer lab and rate a bunch of movies, so they'd show them the, the uh, movie poster, and then they'd give them a description, and then they'd ask them, how much would you be willing to pay right now to watch this movie? And half of the people were in a room that was kind of warm and stuffy, they huh? said this between 72 and 75 degrees, and then the other half were in a cold room, to like 59 and 62 degrees, so it was really cold. Wow. And they found that it didn't change people's preferences for action movies or for thrillers or for comedies, but they noticed a huge shift in preference for romance movies, where when it was uh-huh. cold, people were more willing to spend on watching a romance movie um, because of that cold. So again, now if you are, um, you know, a movie producer and producing romance movies, what does that tell you? Well. You know, maybe you should release your movie during the winter. Maybe you should release your DVD during the winter or your streaming service. You know, that's on the margins there. Um, the, key in, the key insight, though, the key takeaway is that there are these intuitive influences. So can we kind of triangulate around those? Can we be consistent on these kind of inf, uh, informal, um, intuitive influences in order to, to better understand our customers?
1: i think the other thing for me that i would just add would be um you know it's interesting at the top of this you talked about that if you can you know if you're in a party and you know you hear somebody say your voice you know say your name or you hear mm-hmm. a baby cry etc cetera, etc cetera, i guess the reason those things are important is because well the reason you recognize those is because those things are important for you to you and they yeah picking them out and therefore again Taking that and going, do you really understand what's important to your customers that is the real thing that's going to drive their behavior and the real thing that from a message that they want to hear about um, is key. And again, not wanting to talk politics, but I guess that's thinking about some of the political campaigns recently in England with Brexit and some of the phrases that gets used. Um, in the last campaign in the States you know there are really phrases that resonate with yeah. people um, uh, and and they therefore can sort of influence their behavior so I think for me that's another key thing is finding out what your customers want and uh, and the phraseology and because then people will will hear it and take action
2: from it I, I think that's a great insight yeah
1: good okay All right, well, unless there's anything else, um, we'll call this to a halt. Um, For those of you that are, again, interested in um, finding out more about this whole subject of behavioural economics, then go um, and look up to Amazon or any other good bookstore for the intuitive customer. Then please just go on to beyondphilosophy.com and go to contact us and send us a note. It will be great to hear from you. Um, So thanks